Africa, home to the most unique people in the world. A place that connects us through our customs, traditions, and even belief itself. Join Mukundi Mudao in Tribal Pursuit, a series that ventures deep into Africa to discover the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. Join the conversation every Wednesday at 10 a.m. right here on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. Five minutes past 10 is the time and it's Wednesday the 21st of September 2022. I just gotta say, is it spring or winter? Is it still winter? Because, oh my God, it is cold in Johannesburg. Not cold, not freezing, but cold enough to wear a light jacket, you know? <laughs> and enjoy a cup of coffee outside instead of inside because then you won't look like a madman. Anyway, the name of the show was Trouble Pursuit and this is the show where we go deep into Africa and we discover different African Jewish communities. We talk to them, we talk about them, and we also talk about a bunch of other stuff in Africa, what's happening in Africa. And of course, it wouldn't be Travel Pursuit and your friend Mukundi without music. That's right. You want to get you wanna get in touch with me, you want to be a part of the show, feel free to do so. You can SMS me on 34519, send me a telegram on 0618951019, you can email me on air at highfm.com, and you can tweet me at highfm. Did I leave anybody out? You can SMS, telegram, email, and tweet. What's left? Nothing. Okay, all means of communication. So, we are going to be going to Rwanda today. I know last week I promised you that we'll be going to Madagascar and we'll be talking to the Madagascar Jewish community because we're supposed to do that last week. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Malagasy. There we go. The Malagasy Jewish community. (laughs) But unfortunately, due to time and everybody's diary is just looking a little bit different, we couldn't do it. But I do promise you we will try because your friend Mukundi promised you and that is a word you can keep. So we'll be going to Rwanda today. I'll be speaking to the rabbi of the Rwanda Jewish community, Rabbi, ba- rabbi Chaim Barcella. And if you want to ask him some questions, of course, you can send them through and I will be sure to ask him. And just say hi if you want to say hi. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Trouble Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. I hope you're enjoying yourself, I hope you're enjoying your coffee and your morning. By the way, thank you for spending your Wednesday morning with me. And Craig, I'm not alone in the studio. I have Craig the man pressing all the buttons and he just gave me a thumbs up. Not a man of many words, you, you know that by now. So, allow me to tell you what's happening in Africa. This is my Africa update of the day. And we are starting in Nigeria. Why? Drugs. They told you to stay off drugs or to stay away from drugs and say no to drugs. Why? Because you'll get in trouble, particularly with the police. What am I saying? This is this is this is the biggest drug bust in the history of Nigeria. I have to read this out to you. 1.8 tons with a T. Tons of cocaine seized and five arrested in Nigerian bust. You know how much trouble you can get? You know how much trouble you can get in for for just being found with five kilos or just one kilo? of cocaine. These dudes were found with 1.8 thousand of them. That's, unless my math is correct, that is 1.1 kilograms equals to 1 ton, so 1.8 tons equals to 1.8 kilograms. I didn't really pass math that well in high school. Well, I did, but I don't really, really suck at math. But that sounds about right. Anyway, not about math, it's about drugs. 
Nigeria's anti-drug agency seized a record 1.8 tons of cocaine valued at $278 million. It's a lot of dollars. Valued at $278 million at a Lagos warehouse in what is described as Monday as the, light, as the country's largest bust ever. Five people were found in the warehouse with four drug barons, including a, pro, a prolific... Oh, they were profiled, sorry. I can read, I swear. They were profiled as Jamaican. Wow. Nigerians arrested in... Jamaicans arrested in Nigeria for having Colombian cocaine. Huh. And they say we are not together as the world. Come on, man. So the suspects are members of an international drug syndicate the agency has been trailing since 2018. This is, of course, the National Drug Law Enforcement Agency of Nigeria. The agency said the drugs were found in a secluded estate in the Ikorodu area of Lagos on Sunday at a time when the cartel was trying to sell them to buyers in Europe, Asia, and other parts of the world. Wow, so there are some very unhappy customers right now. They did not get their drugs. The drugs were stored in 10 travel bags and 13 drums, the agency said in a statement published along with photos of the suspects and the drugs. The agency said describing the arrests and seizures was a historical blow to the drug cartels and a strong warning that they'll all go down if they fail to realize that the game has changed. What do you mean the game has changed? There's not even supposed to be a game. Right? Is there, is there supposed to be a game? I don't think there's supposed to be a drug game. <laughs> so why, why is it changing? Anyway, drug seizures have been rising in West Africa in the last year, indicating that traffickers have made the continent a hub to move their illegal products between South America and Europe. But we've known this. Drugs have been a big problem in Africa. It's just that probably doesn't get as much of the attention because we have bigger problems. Not saying dr the drug problem is a small problem because no problem is too small or too big. But we have stuff like hunger, poverty, corruption so i'm pretty sure i'm not surprised why drugs just get swept under the carpet or into people's noses rather but this is really cool i like this the people are moving up in the world people being the cops they're doing what they're supposed to do and this is clearly a huge blow not only to the drug cartel there but worldwide that means now there's some very unhappy drug dealers in asia europe and like they said other parts of the world but is it enough though is it enough to just catch the guys in Nigeria? I feel like this is the only big drug bust we've had in years. I've never heard of a drug bust. In South Africa, we specialize in cash and transit heists. I've heard I've heard them stopping cash and transit cash and transit heists, but not really about drugs. But I do like the story and I thought you would too. Staying in Nigeria, this is a conversation that I really want to have because I think it's a cool one. Nigerian ride-hailing app aims to put women at ease. So we, if you've used a ride-hailing app or any e-hailing app, Bolt, Uber, whatever you want to use, you know that, it's particularly for females, it's quite a risky game. It's quite a risky game considering that, considering the fact that you're getting in a car with a stranger that you met off the internet. By the way, remember how as kids they'd say, don't talk to strangers, don't get in strangers' cars, don't, don't, don't meet up with people you met on the internet. It's 2022. We do all three with a push of a button. You get in a stranger's car that you met on the internet. What a time to be alive, man. <laughs> so the the app is called Her Ride and they have launched a female-only ride, a female-only e-hailing service. They launched, la they launched last month and they started with 10 drivers and they logged roughly 500, 500 rides in their first month. And this was all done in the capital city of, in Nigeria's capital city of Abuja. Now, while I was talking to a few of our family members here at High FM, 
we had this conversation just before the show and they said that they opened my eyes to something that I didn't really think about. I was just thinking about women's safety because this is a big issue, especially in South Africa where we've seen stories of women being raped and killed and robbed. Just just from e-hailing drivers alone, it's really, I saw it as a really big step. But then they opened my eyes to the fact that you're putting the, ri- the drivers at risk now because it's a female driver and you know that you're going to get a female driver. What's stopping the bad guy from just ordering a ride? When the female driver comes through, he gets in the car. Five minutes later, he does what he wants to do. What do you think? Let me know. 34519 is the SMS line. 0618951019 is the telegram line. On air at highfm.com is how you email me. And at highfm is how you tweet me. I really want your thoughts on this. Let me know what you think. Is this a great move or a bad move considering the fact that everything has its pros and cons? Now the good news is that more women will feel secure. More women will feel safe knowing that it's going to be another female driving the car. And I'll probably be relaxed. You know, I'll have... I'll probably be as alert as I have to be, but I probably won't be as scared as I usually am with a male driver. But then there's the bad side where, like I said, the driver now is at risk because anybody and anybody could just request and they could harm the driver. It's a really, eh, it's a really tricky conversation to have. And I really like your thoughts on that. But that's later. The time is 10.20, Hi FM. I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. That was Cornerstone with Chipiri, our little secret. 10.26 is the time, and just so you don't forget, or if you just tuned in, welcome, this is Travel Pursuit. We will be talking to the Rwandan Jewish community in a couple minutes with Rabbi Chaim Barcella. He's the leader of that community, and well, he's the rabbi, but same thing, right? And I do hope you enjoy. Stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you're still with your favorite, well, your friend, Mukundi Mudal, your favorite friend, I hope. <laughs> and it's time for me to tell you about animals. I didn't tell you about animals last time. Why? Why? This is just funny. Today I'm, today I'm telling you something funny about animals. Did you know that animals divorce? Yes. Crazy, right? So you know the albatross bird mates for life. However, recent study has shown that the shy male albatross prefer divorce to confrontation. <laughs> don't think it's just the don't think it's just the bird, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> So most albatross male for, mate for life, but shy males who avoid confrontation are more likely to get dumped. Researchers have said, adding that it was the first time that personality had been shown to predict divorce in wild animals. They can live up for up to 50 years and while they spend much of the time on the wing, they meet up every two years with the same partner to breed. Now you're probably asking yourself, why only two years? Well. The birds breed every two years because they take a whole year to rear their cheek and it's super energy consuming. So they take one year sabbatical after to recover and they do not spend that time together. That's really cool. So they they, cut, they get together, get the babies, and then the mother takes care of the babies, I think, or the male. And then after two years, they make more babies. But after that, if confrontation arises or if anything... Or if any, yeah, if any type of confrontation arises, then the female will confront the men, like it usually happens. And 
The study found that the male albatross were twice as likely to get divorced, meaning they will leave and go look for another go look for another mate. Doesn't really sell well on the mate for life part, does it? But this has this is a study that has been done on nearly 2,000 birds. Wandering albatross have elaborate courtship processes, the study has said, and the birds raise up their wings, squawk, and generally dance around. Sometimes during the process, a pushy outsider male couple tries to cut in. That is when the shy male avoids confrontation and accepts divorce. Wow. So when the female is not happy, or when the other male when another male comes and tries to take his girl, I would assume, he just moves. Come on, Albatross. I'm kind of how do you feel about that? So as soon as, as any any sign of trouble comes through, he just runs away. He just goes. Huh. I, I know some listeners are saying, ha, men. Cool. <laughs> 101.9 High FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudal. It's time for me to bestow some knowledge upon you just before we go talk to our friend of the show. Today's African proverb is however long the night, wait, <clears throat> get your voice right, however long the night, the day is sure to come. Meaning, when having fun a long night seems so short, but when in pain, a short moment seems so long. Pain is such an unpopular subject, but it's part of life. Of course, there's necessary pain and unnecessary pain. I put the word necessary in quotes for a reason, you know, quote, 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 unquote, pain. Wait, quote, unquote, necessary. I do not mean the, the world would not be a better place without the potential or presence of pain. My reason for using necessary is this. Imagine a world where you not feel pain if you stepped on a sharp object or a hot object. It means you would hurt yourself without realizing. Thus, feeling pain serves to protect us from risking our lives. If pain is something we cannot live without, and there's a positive way we can look at it, then might as well face the reality of it and look at it in a positive way. I'm reminded of the words of Helen Keller who said, although the world is full of suffering, it is also full of overcoming it. It might interest you to know that Helen Keller was deaf and blind until her death at the age of 87. She lived a fulfilled and fruitful life. Though deaf, she became the voice of many. Though blind, she helped many to see. Don't let your blind pain let don't let your pain blind you to the light around you or to the light that will be breaking forth at the dawn of your life. Remember that however long the night, the dawn will break. No condition is permanent. Be radiant, beautiful. However long the night, the dawn will break. Nothing lasts forever. No bad situation lasts forever. It's not a bad life, it's just a bad day. A little something to add from your friend Mukundi. Do not go anywhere. We'll be back talking to Rabbi Chaim Barcel of the of the Rwandan Jewish community. And of course, if you do want to get in touch with me and be part of the conversation, then we will do that. You can just send your email. You can just send your SMS on 34519. Your telegram on 0618951019. Your email on air at highfm.com. And you can tweet at highfm. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Tribal Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, top of the morning. We have a friend of the show today, Rabbi Chaim Baz Sela, and we are talking about the Rwandan Jewish community. Rabbi, how are you this morning? Hi, good morning. Baruch Hashem, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. So, I read that you're not even from Rwanda. You're just there as part of your work for Chabad.org and obviously the community. Could you tell me more about that? 
Correct. So we are uh, from the Chabad uh, Hasidut, Chabad organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have uh, the center city in uh, Brooklyn, New York. The Lubavitcher Rebbe sent a uh, shluchim, we call it the rabbis uh, of Chabad, to all the countries in the world. Uh, we are around uh, 5,000 uh, shluchim, 5,000 rabbis, mm-hmm. and more of uh, 110, uh, even more countries in the world. And yeah, Baruch Hashem, we're here in Rwanda from 2019, almost uh, four years. Almost four years. And how has your experience been over the years? Every day we learn, we learn something new, but uh, Baruch Hashem, when we came here, for us it's been a new place, uh, even before I didn't hear about Rwanda. Mm. And uh, we came here and actually we'd be very, very surprised because what we think before and what we see, unfortunately, it's a hundred percent, it's a big difference. And uh, actually, this is what I hear from all the people who came to visit Rwanda. They, they're in shock because they think something. And if you're looking in Google, you're going to see uh, some pictures and some, uh, some things to its... Uh, old news, but now it's a very nice country, beautiful country, very safe. And uh, for people to want to visit Africa, in the, but in safe place and uh, very clean, very quiet. So Rwanda, this is the place. It's very green. Uh, it's a beautiful country. So, uh, and then uh, we'll start uh, the activity here in Rwanda, slowly, slowly. And Baruch Hashem, after uh, three years, uh, it's come to be bigger and bigger, and will still work. Was there already a large Jewish community when you got there, or did you have to start from the ground? Uh, correct. So when I came, I hear about a few Jewish people to live here, and I got a uh, contact of one of them. Hmm. And uh, most of the contact I got is uh, not be available anymore. And we start from uh, from the ground. We start from nothing, and slowly, slowly, we find more people, and uh, and more people came to live here, and uh, more people to came to do some uh, business or to volunteer here. So now we we actually build a community, and even before is a few Jewish live here, but no one not know another, and uh, because of the synagogue and the community, so people start to to know each other. Mm. And uh, uh, now we are around uh, 100 people to live here, 100 Jewish people to live here in Rwanda. And uh, we got, every month, we got more uh, more new family and more new people to came uh, for business or to live, the pains. And your synagogue, did you build a synagogue after you got there? And how much of a challenge was it to establish it? For now, we are still uh, we are take up we, we talk, uh, take a place we rent a place and uh, we make the synagogue there. So we we, do, we don't yeah, build yet, but of course this is uh, one of the projects that we want to start very very soon because uh, the time it's coming. Mm. So for now we we have a small synagogue uh, in a house. Uh, but Bezrat Hashem, after the holidays, we have a project and uh, even to build a mikveh. Actually, mikveh, mikveh for women, 
It's uh, it's the one of the important thing to to do in the country mm. because synagogue, like you know, in the COVID, uh, people continue to pray. Uh, now not in a, in a synagogue, and even to do some uh, uh, even do a, some uh, minyanim in the garden, in the balcony, balcony, everyone is place. So synagogue, you can pray in every mm. place, but mikveh. It's one of the big commandments in the Jewish uh, life, in the Jewish family, that they don't have uh, uh, you don't have another solution. So, mm. uh, so now the the mikveh to it's close to us and it's the normal place. It's in uh, Johannesburg. It's a four hours flight. Wow. So the we we re- really want and we really need uh, to build a mikveh for women as soon as possible. So every time you want to conduct a mikveh, you have to come down to South Africa to do it. Yeah, correct. Wow. So having one would really just be of great help. Are there any other challenges that you face as a community? You know, to to build a Jewish community in a country in Africa, in a country like Rwanda, it's uh, the most challenge is, is to, to bring, for example, the, the kosher uh, food. Mm. Uh, meat we bring from uh, South Africa, uh, chicken we bring from Israel, wine we need to bring, uh, all the dairy products we need to bring from outside. So most of the things we, we bring from outside of the country. And uh, every, for every holiday to prepare, for example, uh, Rosh Hashanah is coming soon. Mm. So we need to prepare for that uh, two months before. Uh, just today I got a uh, thing for uh, Rosh Hashanah, the pomegranates, because we don't have in Rwanda. Wow. And uh, the, the four uh, minim, Lulav, Etrog, Adasai, Narava, will get uh, after Yom Kippur. So we need to take care every time to make sure that we got uh, all what we need to continue with the, the life, the Jason life easily so we try to make it very easy for the people but uh, it's maybe we, we work for that a lot so but now if uh, anyone wants a kosher meal a kosher food he can get it here from Chabad and even if someone wants a mezuzah talit besidurim any Jewish books he can get from us uh, so we try to make the the Jewish life easy so do any of the locals approach you wanting to learn about Judaism and convert? They want to learn. The people very love Israelir and uh, very love uh, Jewish people. And they want to know about uh, Jewish and about us uh, tradition. But uh, I didn't hear about someone to want to convert. But we are uh, here and uh, we sometimes we make some uh, classes for uh, local people to explain them about uh, Jewish. Even we open a, a restaurant, a kosher mm. restaurant here, and the name of the restaurant is a uh, Taste of Jerusalem. And uh, we make uh, uh, Israeli food, and all the design is uh, pictures from Jerusalem and uh, things like that. Uh, so people uh, can come here and uh, to see the place and to feel like they visit uh, Israel. Uh, yeah, so this is a few of the activities that we do. With the local community, when you got there, how was the interaction with them? And did they open? Did they welcome you with open arms? 
Yeah, very welcoming. Uh, most of them didn't know exactly uh, what it means. They know about Israel, they know about Jews, but they, they really don't know like what it means. And the people love us. The people very respect us. And, uh, and yeah, we feel, we feel very good here in Rwanda. It's a very, very good place to be. I see. And I actually wanted to ask about an article that I saw online. And it was about a funeral that you held last year and you guys opening up the first, the only Jewish cemetery in Rwanda. Please tell me about that. So when we came in 2019, uh, after a few weeks, I got a message about some uh, Jewish guy to live here. So I tried to, to meet them and it's be, uh, a bit difficult. So we wait a bit. And then before uh, Rosh Hashanah, I invite him to come and he come for the first time. He came in the Rosh Hashanah day and uh, he... So he came in the Rosh Hashanah day to hear the blowing of shofar. So it's been it's him for first time to came to synagogue or any connection with the uh, Jewish because he born uh, in the wall in the second wall and his uh, family like uh, uh, they run him they pass from uh, French to UK and then he born uh, he, he grew up in a family that they be uh, atheism. Atheistim. So they came in Rosh Hashanah, it's been very nice. And after, uh, before Yom Kippur, I invited them to come again for the Yom Kippur, for Kol Nidrei. And even I turned to come a little bit before for the, the meal, before the fasting start. So he came early, like five minutes before the, we start uh, the Kol Nidrei. And I asked him, uh, George, you put, you put fill in? You tell me what is mean tefillin? What is this tefillin? Say, I explained you later. Let's now put tefillin, and we'll talk about it later. And all the people there start to sing uh, uh, for him. Simon Tovomazato, like we make a bar mitzvah for mm. him, and it's be a whole guy, uh, seventy-eight. <laughs> wow! So he had his bar mitzvah at seventy-eight. Yes, and it's be a very. Uh, uh, serious moment. He started to cry, and uh, for me, it's like be the first uh, very the Colony Drake. That moment be very, very uh, strong moment for all of us in the community. Like mm. to come after the, to celebrate Bar Mitzvah for someone in, when it's seventy eight, uh, second before Yom Kippur. It's, it's uh, something I cannot explain that in, in words. I understand. After that, I start to come to him every week, and uh, we come to be very close. Every Friday, I visit him, and we put filin, and we talk a lot. And we find that his family is his family of Fagaon mi, mi, mi Vilna. So we have very uh, famous uh, family, and his grand grandfather is a very uh, famous uh, rabbi, Agro. And uh, after a few years, uh, last year. He passed away, and uh, I, I talked with his uh, kids. They be in uh, London that moment, mm. and uh, they they ask me they want to bury me here in uh, in Rwanda. So we start to all the process, and uh, I lo I call to a few people here, 
to to try to get a Jewish cemetery uh, land, uh, private land for only for the Jewish people, and they give us. And after that, we do all the the tahara and all the the things. Uh, we try to do maximum we can do uh, for him. And uh, yeah, we make a levaya with uh, ten people and we say kaddish. So it's be uh, for for me it's be something very uh, very interesting. Uh, the Balshem to say a person came to the all his life seventy eighty years just to make us some favor to someone mm-hmm. in Gashmiut and even in Ruchaniut. So to be in that moment and to help for a Jewish neshama to, to give him a, in the last moment in his life to, to, to give him a, a, that option to bury it in a Jewish, a, a Jewish process, a Jewish way, it's be a very big schut for him and for me also. Wow. So, one could almost say that you helped him find God. Uh, yeah, he born like a Jew, and he, and he, and he died. And we, in the, the, the last moment, we, we give him back to God in the same uh, tradition, in the same way like the Jewish people do. So it's a uh, uh, strong moment. Wow. Such a beautiful story. Unfortunately, that is where we leave it. We are out of time. Rabbi, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much. This is Trouble Pursuit on 11.9 High FM. I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao, and that was Rabbi Chaim Barcella of the Rwandan Jewish community. Do not go anywhere. I'll be back to say my goodbyes straight after this. This is Tribal Pursuit with Mukundi Mudao, venturing deep into Africa to discover the who, how, and why of the beautiful people that identify as Jewish. 101.9 High FM, this is Travel Pursuit and I'm your dear friend Mukundi Mudao. Top of the morning, 10.48 is the time and it's still Wednesday. Well, yeah, still Wednesday, the 21st of September 2022. You just heard a conversation between myself and Rabbi Chaim Barcel of the Rundan Jewish community. Unfortunately, due to everybody's diaries, I couldn't get to, I couldn't get him to stay with us for much longer. I do hope you enjoyed the little that he had to share, especially that story about the man he found in Rwanda, 80, 78 years of age, doesn't know a thing about Judaism, comes to him, tells him, hey, let's pray, put on this teflin. He says, what is that? He said, don't worry, I'll tell you about it later. Puts it on, and over the next year or two, he just teaches him everything about Judaism, and he dies, unfortunately, which leads to them having Rwanda's first and only Jewish cemetery, a story which I think just brings joy to everybody that hears it unfortunately the man is dead but the story itself is such a beautiful story almost sounds made up you know <laughs> but that was that was really beautiful i do hope you enjoyed it this is tribal pursuit with mukundi mudao venturing deep into africa to discover the who how and why of the beautiful people that identify as jewish it's your happy day, ah, it's your happy day, ah. If that didn't make your day, make you want to go out and hug everybody you meet, then nothing will, my friend, nothing will. <laughs> 101.9, hi FM, this is Travel Pursuit, and I'm your dear friend, Mukundi Mudao. I hope you enjoyed the show, and if you just, if you missed it, or if you missed any part of the show, or if you enjoyed it that much, 
and you want to listen again, feel free to do so on the High FM website. You can listen to the podcast a little later today. And don't just listen to that. Listen to every other podcast we have. We have a lot of great shows on High FM that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Unfortunately, this is the time where I have to love and leave you. But do not worry because we are doing this again in just seven short days. And I hope you I hope you're there. If you enjoyed today's show, tune in again next week. If you didn't enjoy today's show, tune in again next week and I bet I can change your mind. From Craig in the studio, from myself Mukundi, I hope you enjoy your day. But I do not leave you alone. I leave you with Fatuma Diawara saying in Terini, this is from the Gabon. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right, from the Gabon. <laughs> do enjoy, do enjoy this music. And as always, until next time. Enjoy the rest of your day.